Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. A month or so ago, I saw a headline that made me chuckle with pride. It read, Chicago is about to have the gayest city council in the country. It was a story by Jake Wittick from Block Club Chicago. He reports on the Lakeview neighborhood and also on LGBTQ plus issues in the city. Jake's story got a lot of attention. And I'd like to think it wasn't only because of that compelling headline, but also because of the story itself. Here we are in the Windy City making history once again. As he reported, Chicago now has nine openly LGBTQ plus identifying officials, more than any city council in the U.S. This is a body that's elected by the people to represent the people. So I've said it before and I'll say it again. Representation matters. You know, I would say at the heart of it is you can't be what you can't see. So I hope that um, people can see bits of themselves in these older people, even if you don't agree with them ideologically. Just the fact that someone from a similar background from you could do it means you can too. This is the most openly queer representation the city council has had, but the LGBT caucus has been around within the council since 2015. Jake joined me to talk about what issues the caucus might be taking on and how our new mayor fits into the equation. But first, he explains what led the caucus to where it is now. Yeah, I mean, I would say LGBTQ representation in city council. It really started in 2002 when Alderman Tom Tunney was appointed by then Mayor Daley. I vow to carry on Alderman Hansen's tradition of commitment and high quality service to the residents of the 44th Ward. And it was just him for a while. Mm -hmm. And then Keppelman joined in 2011 when he was elected. I'm speechless. (laughs) Who's that? Um, Alderman James Kappelman of the 46th Ward. We talked about making this a community that's a better place for all. And I'm committed to do that. And I know you're committed to do that as well. And then um, it was just the two of them until around 2015 with that election. There were now five members of the LGBT caucus. So Mm -hmm. that's when they actually formalized and named it and said, we're going to be a caucus now. We're really excited uh, to form the first ever uh, gay caucus for the city of Chicago. My name is Tom Tunney, and I'll ask my colleagues to introduce themselves. Um, It's not ideology based, obviously. It's unlike most caucuses in that it's centered on their identity rather than their ideologies. So um, the members in 2015, it was Alderman Tom Tunney. Alderman James Kappelman, 46. I'm Raymond Lopez, Alderman of the 15th Ward. Carlos Ramirez Rosa, 35th Ward. Alderman Deb Mel, 33rd Ward. So, um... And then from there, we've seen some shifts. Um, Deb Mel lost her election to Rosana Rodriguez-Sanchez. Um, Tunney and Kappelman just retired. We've seen some new additions. So now we're at nine members of the caucus, which is about one-fifth of city council. Okay. Can you tell how that compares to the percentage of Chicagoans who openly or identify as LGBTQ+. Yeah, um, the, it's hard to quantify, for starters, just because not every queer person might be out of the closet or how are you reaching every person. It's hard to know. But um, the Chicago Department of Public Health did a study in 2018, or it was put out then, 
And they estimated that 146,000 Chicago adults identified within the community, which um, sums up about 7.5%. So I think we exceed that with one-fifth of council, but I'm bad at math. So So what are some of the main issues that the caucus is looking to address now that the numbers are as they are? Um, Well, I guess I'll go back a little bit and rewind um, just to say, like, the caucus, it's been very casual up until now. And even now, it's still pretty casual. (laughs) Um, They don't have a budget. They don't have, like, a formal structure or list of priorities. Hmm. But I have interviewed all nine members of the current caucus and got an idea of, what they see as key priorities now that they have this, you know, one-fifth of city council, oh, what they hope hard. to. Yeah, it, <laughs> it took about a month. Um, they're very busy people, but I, it was sure. good to talk to them all. So yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of key priorities. Um, Chicago, it's some people view it as a safe haven for LGBTQ people. Um, rights mm-hmm. of the community are under attack across the country, but mm-hmm. that's not really being seen in Illinois and Chicago. So I think a top of mind is just maintaining the city as a sort of sanctuary for queer people, um, making sure that LGBTQ people have the protections that they might be losing in other states so that people could move here and visit here and feel safe. Um, but in terms of priorities that they want to change or address, I would say funding citywide for resources for the community is huge. Um, right now, we have a lot mm-hmm. of LGBTQ resources based on the north side and, you know, like the North Halstead Boys Town neighborhood where you see the center on Halstead and Howard Brown Health. Yeah. Um, up in Andersonville, there's the Chicago Therapy Collective and more organizations there. And Howard Brown Health has a presence citywide, but definitely more focused on the north side. Um, so in talking to these nine alder people, they really want to make sure that these resources are reaching all neighborhoods because queer people exist everywhere in mm-hmm. Chicago, not just in Boys Town and Andersonville. Yeah. Any other issues that came up as you were talking to folks? Yeah. Um, well, we all remember this recent mayoral election where public safety was a huge issue. Yeah. And that rings true within the LGBTQ community. Um, as I said earlier, attacks on the community are on the rise. Mm-hmm. Hate crimes are yes. um, harassment, everything like that. But at the same time, Chicago has seen a a rise in murders of black trans women specifically um, since 2010. More than a dozen black trans women have been killed in Chicago and a very small number, maybe one or two of those murders have been solved. So a key issue among these alder people that I talk to is they want to solve these murders Mm. and make sure that they're brought to justice. But then it's also um, twofold because that's reactionary. The murders have already happened, unfortunately, you know, so it's about making sure that we're doing work to prevent these murders is what the alder people have told me, making sure that Ah. trans people have the same resources as everyone else. They have access to housing, they have access to employment and things like that, that could improve their living conditions. So Mm -hmm. they're not placed in these dangerous situations. Yeah. I know that Migrants and immigration, asylum seekers have been a big conversation on the city council lately. Is anyone in the LGBT caucus focusing on this as an issue? Yeah, I mean, um, Alderman Timmy Knudsen, he was appointed last year by Mayor Lori Lightfoot to oversee the 43rd Ward, which is the Lincoln Park area. And he is a lawyer. And before he was involved in the government, he started a pro bono practice at his law firm of representing LGBTQ asylum seekers. Um, in Tijuana, Mexico. So Mm. he's been helping them um, navigate the legal process to seek asylum here in the United States. Um, He's told me that that's one thing he'd like to definitely continue as alder person, both for LGBTQ asylum seekers and just that population overall. 
Um, and I know that's something that Jesse Fuentes, who um, she was recently elected, um, that's something that she wants to really tackle as well. She's in the 26th Ward, which is the Humboldt Park area, and okay. um, that's an issue she's passionate about. So I expect to maybe see some collaboration between Fuentes and Knudsen to address that. Okay. You talked to Raymond Lopez, who's in the 15th Ward, and Raymond pointed out that the LGBT caucus sees eye to eye on a lot of issues, but they represent a broad spectrum of political leanings. Um, For instance, Lopez himself and Bennett Lawson in the 44th Ward endorsed Paul Vallis, whereas Mm -hmm. five other members in the caucus endorsed Johnson. Um, Can you talk about some of the issues that could cause conflicting goals for the caucus members? Yeah, I mean, they really run the political gamut, as you said. Um, And what's interesting is I'd say the LGBT caucus as a whole is now leaning more to the left than it did before this election. Oh, okay. Um, You know, Kappelman and Tooney, who I would say were a little more in the center of the progressive spectrum um, or maybe even to the right on some issues, um, they just retired. And we have the additions of people like Jesse Fuentes and Lenny Mana Hoppenworth, who are more left-leaning. They endorse Brandon Johnson. They're in the progressive caucus. Mm. Um, but then there's still um, Raymond Lopez, who's the furthest to the right of that spectrum right now. Um, and then there's some older people who are maybe more in the middle, like Bennett Lawson, Lamont Robinson, and maybe Timmy Knudsen. Mm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see can they work through these differences? There are commonalities, you know, that yeah. all LGBTQ people share despite their ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, can they work past these political differences to get some real change done? Yeah. Um, Mayor Brandon Johnson's campaign had a lot of goals that were supportive of the LGBTQ plus community and their rights. How do you see him working with the alders in this caucus to see their respective goals come to fruition? Yeah, Mayor Brandon Johnson, he outlined a pretty thorough LGBTQ plus platform during the election. Mm-hmm. Um, so did Paul Vallis, his competitor in the runoff. I would say Mayor Brandon Johnson's was a little more focused on social services, whereas Vallis's was more focused on the LGBTQ business community, oh. um, which was interesting. That yeah. kind of, you know, So Brandon Johnson, in the runoff at least, had the endorsement of Equality Illinois, which is the largest LGBTQ civil rights group in Illinois. Um, whereas Paul Vallis had the endorsement of the LGBT Chamber of Commerce. So kind of a split there. Um, And with that, I would say Brandon Johnson's platform focuses more on social issues. Um, Safety was at the top of it, solving those murders of trans women, um, creating social services so that we can prevent those crimes from even happening Mm -hmm. um, was a big part of his platform. And he also did a fundraiser that I went to, I covered at Sidetrack, which is a famous gay bar in Boys Town, North Halstead. And at that, he promised to create an office for LGBTQ people. I don't have any updates on that yet, but I'd imagine um, if he follows through with that, it's something he'd work with the caucus on establishing. Okay. Yeah. And one thing Brandon Johnson has gotten started with is um, he promised to make sure that our city's government is more inclusive of transgender people in terms of its hiring practices um, so that trans people are reflected in its staff at every level from, you know, um, aides to leadership. So um, one thing he's done is he's working with the Chicago Therapy Collective, which is a trans-led group in Andersonville, as I said. And they have this initiative called Hire Trans Now. And oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been work- hearing about this, yeah. The city is working with Hire Trans Now to kind of take stock of 
Chicago's hiring practices and make sure that they are hiring trans people and that its policies and things like that are inclusive of trans people and their needs. In addition to this uh, LGBT increase in representation on the city council, there are also quite a few individual firsts here. Um, The council is more diverse uh, than it has been in a while. Lamont Robinson, for instance, is... Um, He's in the fourth ward, and he's the first openly gay black man on the city council. Yep. As an out black member of the LGBTQ community, I try to use my bully pulpit to better our community every single day. And then Lenny Mana Hoppenworth, you talked about um, Lenny already. She's the first openly queer Asian American alder person. How about a woman of color? How about a daughter of immigrants? How about a woman who identifies as a part of the LGBTQ plus community? All of those representations at the city council is important right now. And the first Filipina on the city council is 2023. I'm always less amazed by the first and more amazed by the fact that we are still having (laughs) first these days um, in a city that is so diverse. Can you talk about how things have evolved to get us to this point in Chicago? Yeah. And you bring up a good point. It feels so weird to celebrate that in 2023, we're just now (laughs) reaching these milestones, but it should be celebrated that we're here finally. Better late than never, I guess. (laughs) But um, (laughs) yeah, I would say it's A lot of grassroots organizing, Um, you know, the LGBTQ community in Chicago is very politically engaged. We have a long history of LGBTQ people organizing. Um, I mentioned Sidetrack. The owners of that, Art Johnston and his husband, Jose Pepe Pena, um, they're longtime um, queer civil rights activists. And Mm. they, um, Johnston co-founded Equality Illinois, actually. And they've been instrumental in passing, like, marriage equality and equal rights protections in Illinois and in Chicago. So I'd say it builds on decades of that activism um, and then just a strong grassroots ground game. Um, LGBTQ people have been organizing. They've been involved in like Lenny Minot Hoppenworth. Um, She said she really channeled her anger over um, Trump's election win in 2016. Mm. Um, And she got involved. She founded Illinois Vote, which is a nonpartisan voter registration group. Um, She was also the director of operations for the Chicago edition of the 2016 Women's March, and she Mm co-founded Indivisible Illinois. So I think people saw a lot of these new leaders might have seen queer rights or just people's rights in general being rolled back or threatened across the country. And that really emboldened them to take a stand to stop this. Yeah. Lenny Mana Hoppenworth, who is in the 48th Ward says that folks have rallied for her all across the globe when she was running um, for her city council seat. What impact do you see this type of representation in the city council having nationally or even internationally? I mean, we've talked about some of the communities all around the city, but yeah, how how are we going big with this? You yeah, see? you know, I would say at the heart of it is you can't be what you can't see is what people say. So, Mm. you know, if you are a young queer Asian person who is interested in politics, it might feel like a lofty goal to one day be an alderman um, or, you know, run for office and make it. But Mm. um, to see Lenny Mana Hoppenworth, I'd imagine that really opens your mind to the possibilities, you know, and you can see, you know, so I hope that um, people can see bits of themselves in these older people, even if you don't agree with them ideologically, just the fact that someone from a similar background from you could do it means you can too. Yeah. 
Um, you've been doing a lot of reporting on um, LGBTQ plus issues in the city. And I wonder, just for you as a reporter, um, how this has, how, how this affects you or how you've started to think about um, these issues in the city since this has happened, you know, this this increased representation on the council. Yeah, I mean, it's great. I've always felt very aligned. I think my purpose is to do LGBTQ journalism, mm-hmm. and I feel so lucky I get to do that at the local level here in Chicago. Um, I'm a strong believer in local news. Um, so it's inspiring to me to see this growth on city council. Like, um, it lets me know, like, there's news here. People are making news. You know, yes. I should. I need to keep chasing this and um, keep telling these stories because there's progress. There's growth, and the more, the more progress there is, the more news there is. So yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. It is challenging though. I you know the harassment as we've mentioned is on the rise, and I do face that as a journalist sometimes. Like mm. I wrote, I wrote this story. The headline said it: Chicago is the gayest city council, and yeah. it, it's true. You know, but um, I love that title. By the way, <laughs> it was a fun one, but it triggered a lot of people. They were yeah. upset about it. I got harassing emails, um, and. You know, anytime I write an LGBTQ story, I've had to navigate that. There's an onslaught of people calling me a groomer for even covering this community. And I'm just the one telling the stories. I am a part of the community, but I just worry about my sources who have to face this even Mm -hmm. more. So, yeah. 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 Can I ask how that affects you as a person who is a part of the community? Yeah, I'm pretty good at just like whatever. It's some loser comment. Like I just block and move on. Yeah. Um, but where it gets me is like when they're talking about my sources, that bugs me because mm-hmm. I, I know I'm okay. I can block them and move on, but I'm used to it as a journalist. But for my sources who I'm writing about, not these older people, they're probably used to it as well. Yeah. But mm-hmm. um, I'm doing a series profiling queer families and I don't want to put them in a position where they have to read these nasty comments about them. So I've been like toggling my social media settings so only people I follow can reply and things like that. So, wow. yeah. Yeah, it's... It's a whole other task to be protective over the people that you feature in your stories as a journalist, in addition to protective of the facts and, you know, making sure that everything is aligned. Yeah. And when I face this harassment, I it just emboldens me even more to keep telling these stories. It reminds me, like, this is why it's so important that we have nearly one fifth of city council that identifies as queer um, because <laughs> yeah. attacks are on the rise and we need our people at the table so that we can put an end to it. Jake Wittick is a Lakeview and LGBTQ news reporter with Block Club Chicago. Jake, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Chicago has a very well-known queer community on North Halstead, formerly known as Boys Town. But that community is famously very white and very male. Jake also talked about how important it is for queer people to find community anywhere in the city. On the south side, there's the Brave Space Alliance, which is a black and trans-led LGBTQ center. On the west side, there's Life is Work, which is a black, brown, and trans-led LGBTQ center. Mm. There's Task Force Chicago, which does a lot to serve the community. They have a whole program for trans youth and um, a Vogue school for people who want to get into the underground ballroom community. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And, like, there's organizations everywhere that I think... um, what the older people are saying is like we need to bring funding so that these organizations can thrive too outside of Boys Town. Yeah. We're going to talk more comprehensively about queer spaces in Chicago in our episode on Friday. Come back then and check it out.
And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Cleve for editing the show. Haley Bloomquist was the engineer for this episode and our theme music is by Louis Weeks. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. 